right. Glory to God. Glory. 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> well, we welcome everybody to today's service. Mm. Uh, sharing in the word today. Last week we talked about being translated into the kingdom of God. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. That we're translated into the kingdom of God. That we're in, we translate. It's not something that we did other than believe what mm. God has provided for us through Jesus Christ. And because of that, we were translated instantaneously. Oh, glory. Right now. Glory. We've been translated into the kingdom of God. But here's the deal. The deal is, what does that mean to be translated into the kingdom of God? That is so huge that the natural mind, the natural mind cannot mm. comprehend uh, what that means or, or the magnitude of what that means. And, 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 you know, we as believers have to learn and grow up in it because there's so much. It's like running... Just imagine running through an endless mm. field of blessings. Mm. An endless field of blessings. Just running. Just, mm. you know, just, just you know. Mm. Not looking back. Mm. Just keep going and keep going and keep going and, and keep mm. going. It goes on and on and on and it goes on and it still goes on. <laughs> Amen. This is how, and, and still going on. Yes. Yes. This is how big, being translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Thank you, Jesus, that we have been translated. But there was a price that was paid for. Mm. There was a price that was paid, and we're going to talk about. You see, what we're going to find out that that, and I think I may have mentioned this some last week, we're going into we're going to a picture of the God Man, the one who had been driven by love to face the sacrifice of Himself. We're going to see a demonstration of supreme love and obedience to uh, to the Father. Mm-hmm. The Son of God said, so loved that he suffered. Mm-hmm. And it's very possible he suffered more in the Garden of Gethsemane than he did on the cross. Mm-hmm. That's good. Because he was facing these things. He knew what he was facing because, you see, he sat in that council, in that meeting, in the council of Jesus, when God told them the plan, what the plan was for salvation before the foundation of the world, because God knowing all things, know what was going to happen or what would take place. So he had known what he was facing. Amen. <coughs> but he still loved us. Amen. So it's very possible that he suffered. More in the Garden of Gethsemane did on the cross because of what he was facing, which was hell and Hades. On the cross, he felt the agony of hell. In the Garden, he knew that he had to be made sin. And his whole being shrank from him in the Garden. His whole being, his whole existence. But we're going to find, what we're going to find is that love drove him on. That's good. Thank God for his love. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. And if you follow, or if I had followed him into the garden, if I had followed one of us, any of us had followed him into the garden, heard him pray, we have been gripped by a force like we've never seen before. And what that force was, was deity was now in agony. He was in agony. 
not because of the pain of the nails that were driven through his hands, not because of the thorn, not because of the stripes on his back. It wasn't why he was in agony. See, he, he's in agony before he ever got to that point. He was, here he was revealing the power of love. Love's power is something that the world had never, ever experienced before. Love's ability to suffer. Love's ability to sacrifice. Love's ability to endure. Mm. What happened in the garden? Mm. Deity was facing the substitutionary work in the garden. He was facing this. The crisis was at hand. The time had come. Wow. Jesus, Jesus had three disciples with him. He took three of his disciples and they had gone down to a place where he would often pray under the old olive tree. And the disciples had seen him pray many times before, many, many times. But this time, this time in particular was very, very, very different. Telling them to, he told them to wait and watch. He told them to pray. And he went alone and a few feet well, he fell upon his face and, and they heard in his voice. But they couldn't understand. They didn't really understand what he was saying. They had no idea what, what he was saying. He was now facing the fact that of being made sin. Well, I, I'm going to show you. You know, I had this conversation with, with someone a while back, uh, not too long ago, and they said that Jesus, uh, that Jesus didn't die spiritually. And uh, and then, and, and as a matter of fact, when I began to ask him about the difference, I suggest he had no understanding of it anyway, so it didn't really matter. He would have never understood it, and it would never make sense to him because he's dealing with a carnal mind, and there was no spirit behind it. You see, a carnal mind can never understand the things of the spirit, period. I'll get to that point here in just a few minutes. So here Jesus was, was, being, was facing being made you know, he was facing the fact of being made sin. And his disciples, they they had not a clue, not one clue of this, of what this was all about, or what was about to happen. All right, here he was actually becoming <coughs> a substitute for man, for fallen man. You see, let me tell you something. God knew what Adam and Eve would do. And he knew that they would fall. But see, God being a God of judgment, he's not like man. Judgment, when, when the law is broken, judgment fits all. Period. I mean, man, everybody's... Because Adam and Eve were the first couple, they were the first married couple, this judgment was going to reach everything that came through them. Or this sin. All right? Or this curse. Whatever your death was, was going to come upon all men. Amen? Amen? And God knew this. Mm -hmm. But God created man to be his family. God created man and he wanted, man, he wanted a family. But here was a, the devil, the influence of the adversary, Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him. He's got so many names, evil ones. Uh, he wanted to come in and interrupt what, God's plan. He wanted to Thwart God's plan. He was he was 
You know, we, we know in the beginning, he said, I'm going to exalt my throne above the stars. He said he was going to be like God. He wanted something that wasn't, that didn't belong to him. So, so, so here, here he was, and he tricked man, and deceived man, or, and Adam became disobedient. Uh-oh, we're talking about obedience versus disobedience here today. Adam became disobedient and, and was lost. And see, so now, all of creation, all of the universe is crying out for justice. And God being a just God, he had to exercise justice. He said that the wages of sin was death. So death came upon all mankind. You see? And, not, and man, God is no respecter of persons. Right. So it came upon all mankind. Right. Doesn't matter that you might be a king, a ruler of a nation, or over several nations. It doesn't <laughs> matter if you broke the law, or if you were a pauper, or if you are the last person who came. If sin was applied to you, then you had, there was a debt that had to be paid for your life. Mm -hmm. Thank God he knew that men couldn't pay it. So here he is, Jesus is facing this fact, all right? And Jesus never, he wasn't a partaker of sin. He wasn't a partaker of morality, right? Or immorality. Jesus, remember Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. He was born of a virgin. And, and, and not by the natural process like we are. Jesus' body was was uh, not mortal, immortal. He had the perfect human body. Perfect human body. Amen? Amen. The body, Adam had that body when he was in the garden. Before he sinned, it was it was neither mortal or in, in, in immortal. It was it was it was perfect. It was a perfect human body. Adam's body became mortal. The moment he sinned in the garden. As mortal as his body became, uh, it became subject to sin, it became, I mean, to sickness and to death. Subject to death. We all were subject to death. And because of our living Savior, we've been given life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's look at John chapter 10. I think this is the most... I think John chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 17 and 18. I'm going to make some points here. John 10, uh, 17 and 18. He says, therefore, uh, he says, therefore does my father love me because I lay my life down, that I might take it again. Verse 18. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down. Of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Listen to me. And the first thing that people say, he said that because he was God. That's not what it was. Don't look at me and listen very carefully. Death was not possible for him. What do you mean? Death was not possible for him as a man. Somebody tell me why. Don't bother. Because he didn't owe a debt to sin. You couldn't, you couldn't kill him. If Adam had not sinned, death, he, it, nobody could have taken his life. Nothing could have taken his life had he not sinned. 
Jesus was not in. Jesus was here as a man and uh, as a perfect man, as a perfect man. Sin had never been touched him. He was in the midst of sin. He'd been all around sin, but sin never affected him. It never. He had no sin. He owed no debt to sin, so he was walking in power. That's good, Pastor. Alright, let's keep going. That's good. His body was not mortal. He could become mortal until he hung on the cross. Now watch this, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Now I want you to know, I want you to know that um, at this point, I want you to know and to understand at this point that uh, that uh, He's on the cross here, willingly. He has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, let's talk about this for a minute. Y'all with me? In a moment, here's Jesus laying down his life right here. In a moment that he was made to be sin, he became mortal. That's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The moment he, he became sin, he became mortal. He became like a, mor- a mortal man. Mm-hmm. And if he became mortal, he received the same nature that the man had. Everything that man had, Jesus received. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. Man. Yeah. Let's keep going here. Look, listen. So he became sin. And here he is. And, 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 and listen to the cry on the cross. He says, my God, my, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't call him Father. He said, my God, my God. Why? Because he has, when, when sin hit him, he becomes spiritual dead, which means to be spirit, spiritual dead is separation from God. He was, he was separate, separate from God. Ignorance doesn't know that. Ignorance makes it out to be something. I read somewhere the guy said, well, he couldn't have died spiritually. That means God died. I said, you know what? Because you have no... Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.14, honey. Let me show you something. Oh, Lord, no, 1 no. Corinthians 2.14, my bad. Let me show you something. And see, this is where the disciples were in the Garden of Gethsemane. When they heard him pray this prayer, they couldn't understand what he was saying. Because let me show you something. 1 Corinthians 2.14. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can they know them, because they are spiritually discerned. As long as you stay in your little simple carnal mind, you're living as a natural man, whether you're saved or not. Mm, That's good, Pastor. You're all caught up in your intellect. You know everything. You read the scriptures and you take it from your own intellectual and you're dumbing in a biscuit. You have no spirit. Until you receive spiritual discernment, which is a gift that God gives us, the ability to understand he's revealing himself. He's revealing things to us by his spirit. Mm. Not your little stinking mind that you think you don't know that all up. I don't care how many degrees you got. I don't care how much theology degrees you got. 
whether you're a doctor or you're, I don't care who you think you are. If you don't have spiritual discernment, you might as well be drinking mud. Mm. I, I prefer to give Jesus the glory. I prefer to be on God's plan. I don't want to be an intellectual. I want to make room so that the spirit can live in me and through me and for me. Now that I've said that. So listen, let me go back. Let's go back to uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I want you to see something. We may go a little long today, but I want y'all to stick it out. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him to be sent for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So here's the part when Jesus said, no man takes my life, I lay it down. Because he understands that as long as he stayed in the state that he was before sin came upon him, there was no possibility of death to him. Right? Mm -hmm. That's so good. So here he is now. So he dies. When sin comes upon him, and he becomes spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. And he's saying, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? So here he is. Watch this. Stay with me. So here he is. And then, you know, and then he dies on, now he dies on, now the there's the possibility of death. And he dies on the cross, but he willingly died. He willingly, when he, when he willingly accepted the plan of God, when he, when, when, when he was made to be sin, he died on the cross. And when he died and they pierced his side, you see, that was the blood that was paid for you and me. When that blood was poured out, and every bit of his blood was poured out for you and me, that we might be made righteous, that we might be declared not guilty, Amen. that we're not guilty. <coughs> now, what he said is, "I've laid my life down. I'm paying. I'm going to pay the penalty. I'm paying." He, he started paying the penalty the minute mm. that sin came upon him. That's good. Mm. That's so good. His spirit received that terrible thing that, that Adam received in the garden. Separation from God. When Adam said, <laughs> when Jesus said, where are you? I was afraid. I was scared. If the Spirit received that. You see, it doesn't seem possible that Jesus could, could become sin. Why? Because he was holy. He was as holy as the Father was, and sin had never, ever touched him. He didn't know anything about it. He, I mean, exper experiential. He knew what it would do if that was, you know, what sin was doing to man. But he came to deliver man from that terrible, evil, wicked position mm. or situation that man was facing. Yes, indeed, it's true that for many years he had lived in the midst of sin. And he was tempted in all points like we were, but yet without sin. But even as a perfect man, he had to be tempted. He had to experience everything that we would experience to allow him to be able to pay the price for you and I. Sin never became a part of him, and now, now here he is. Now we're going back to the garden. Now here he is. He had to become sin. He had to be 
separated. He knew he would be separated from his father. He never experienced that. Mm -hmm. That was never a possibility before. And as man sins substitute, he had to go to the place where the man who rejects him must go. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 53, and I'm going to read, start at verse 6, and I'm going to read all the way down to 11. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 6. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We have, he had been made to be sent. Next verse, thank you. And it says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. And yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Verse 8. And he was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Verse 9. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no, no violence, and neither was the deceit in his mouth. Now listen to me. So, this one person tells me, well, he died, but he only died physically. And he died, and when he died, he went and preached in the grave, and he did, which we know at some point he did. And then he rose again. It said he made his grave. Where was his body, his physical body? His physical body was in the tomb. But he said he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in, 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 in his death because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Verse 10, please. Oh, the next, the rest of it. <coughs> Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Let me tell you something. He's not like a man. Where you just can, you know, it all depends on who you are. You can get away with murder. You can get away with this. You can get away with anything you want to get away with. That's man's law. That's the same. That's, that's what men do. It's not what God does. Mm -hmm. If there's a price to be paid, mm -hmm. there's no way around it. Mm -hmm. you, can't, there's, you can't delay it. You can't stop it. You can't do anything. If God says something, it is so. Amen. And if said a price had to be paid, Amen. then a price had to be paid. Amen. And here you see the Lord was exercising his wrath upon Jesus Christ. Mm. It said it pleased the Lord to bruise him because the debt was owed to the Lord, not to man. Mm. Not to the stars. The debt was owed to man. So it says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. The people say, well, God didn't do that to Jesus. Don't get me started. Mm. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has he who the Lord hath put him to grief. Mm. When thou shalt make him see, you see, the problem is. Here's the problem. The problem is when men see Jesus going to grief, they see the nails in his hands. They see the crown on him, the spit on him, he was beat. That's the grief that they see. Oh, but there was a greater grief. He was spiritually separated from his God. Because actually, the hands and nails are not on the cross. Because he was an immortal man, he may not even have felt that. Mm -hmm. 
I'm not, don't that, don't that, you know. You understand what I'm saying? Thank you, Jesus. Don't make a big deal out of that, mm. little preacher. Mm. Don't make a big deal out of that. My Jesus. My point is, it is a big deal. Don't mm. get don't get me wrong. Mm. But the punishment that he took <laughs> is what brought deliverance to mm. you and me. My Lord. It's the pres it's the My it's Lord. the punishment that he took that brought deliverance to you and I. My Lord. My if after Lord. he was made to be sin, our deliverance didn't come from anything mm. that happened before he seemed mm. made to be sin. Mm. Even our healing didn't come from 39 mm. strikes. Mm. Our healing came from what God, yet it pleased the Lord to mm. bruise him. My Jesus. Not before, the, what happened before him was pure persecution. Mm. The evilness of men. Mm. But what happened after he got on the cross and he was made to be sin, when he was made to be sin, he was bruised, the chastisement, that is the bruising of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Mm. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Anything that happened <coughs> before Jesus was made to be sin could not have brought us any deliverance mm. whatsoever. That's good. That it is. had to be after. That's good. After what? Uh, yes. What happened? Now let's go. Let's keep going. Verse 11. No, no. Let me read 10 again. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. Whom shall I, whom thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin? He shall see his seed. Glory be God. He shall prolong his days. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. What's the pleasure of the Lord? He's got children. Mm. That we're saved. That we can be saved. And not, mm. and, oh, glory to God. <laughs> Well, let me go back to the garden. Mm. Amen? So he must suffer. Here he sees he must suffer. Oh, no, no, no. One more, one more place I've got to go. For those of us that don't see. Let's go to, uh... oh, hold on. I lost my place. I bet I'll find it again. <laughs> hold on one second. Uh, oh, I know where it is. There we go. Go to Matthew 12, 40. Now we just saw Isaiah 53, so we know. So it says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So he went to the place that you and I go if we don't have Jesus Christ. That's in the heart of the earth. Hades. Hell. In the heart of the earth. Where was his physical body? In the tomb. In the tomb. So now we're talking about something great. We're talking about the spirit. Mm -hmm. Amen? Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Matthew. Uh, let's read. Let's read. God and get something. Matthew 26. And we're going to read verses 36 to uh, 46. says here, Then cometh Jesus with them to a place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit here while I go pray yonder. Praise God. Just keep going, baby, as I read. Amen. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Very heavy. Man, let me tell you something. 
So here's a perfect man. He's beginning to be sorrowful and very heavy. He's beginning to grieve. grieve. De deity is beginning to, 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 to grieve. Keep going, please. And then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Even unto death. Why is this man, who had no, who, no possibility of death, can you imagine what he's going through right now? He had no possibility. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry you here, wait here, and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. See, he didn't want to be separated from his father. He never wanted to be separated from He didn't know what it meant to be separated from his father. Because even though he was in this physical world, he was perfect. And he was in fellowship with his father. But not as I will, but as thou will. And he cometh unto the disciples, and he found them asleep, and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? You see, that's what unbelief does. Unbelief will yield to the flesh. That's what unbelief did. They, they didn't believe this. They didn't understand what was happening. They had no idea because they were natural men. Watch and pray. He said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So don't yield to your flesh. I need you to watch and I need you to pray. And he went away again a second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, Thy will be done. <coughs> and he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same words. Oh my. Watch this. Then he cometh he to his disciples, and he says unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest. Sleep on, it's done. What was he seeking? What was Jesus seeking as a man when he went into the garden of Gethsemane? He was seeking the will of the Father. Lord, I brought it before you three times. <coughs> and I know it's your will. Now listen to me. Listen to me. The sorrow, and he went through that, all that, all that. Now he's standing up as king. Now he's ready. Now he's ready to go. Now he's, let's get this on. Let's look at the rest of this. Watch that. Now he's taking his place as king. Alright? Verse 46. Oh, verse 45, yeah. That thou is at hand, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of the sinner. Verse 46. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Now he's ready. Now he's up. Let it take place. It's getting ready to go down now. And I'm ready for it. Because you know why? Because this is my Father's will. Glory be to 
Glory be to God. It's my Father's will. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. See, it was difficult for them to understand. They couldn't understand it because they were natural men. The natural mind, as we saw earlier, cannot understand the things of the Spirit. Peter, James, and John lived as they walked with Jesus. All right? Their minds were darkening as far as, far as spiritual uh, things were concerned. And they couldn't understand spiritual things. Just like some of us can't understand spiritual things. You know what? Some of us can't understand spiritual things because of, and we're born again believers because we haven't gotten out of ourselves. Mm -hmm. If anything doesn't sound like something you can see, hear, feel, taste, or touch, you want to reject it. Or mm -hmm. well, some of us have been raised up in certain teaching and certain, you know, and, and religions and denominations and things that, that I, you know, we, we're going to stay right here in this lane and we're not going to get outside. Like, I don't need to learn no more. It's all right here. It's all said and done. And, that, and that's where you're going to stay. Mm -hmm. And you're carnal. And you have no confidence towards God. You have no faith for God. You, you can't walk in faith for, for everything that Jesus Christ has done for you. No matter is it God's will or not. You see, the thing was, once Jesus understood that it was God's will, he stood up and he said, once he, he accepted the will of God, which he, he accepted the will of God, he got up as a king now, not as a pauper, not having pity for himself. He says, I'm about my father's business. I'm here to do his will. <coughs> to bring him glory. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Here he is. He got to take. He, this is what he's faced with. He's got to. Oh, my goodness. Wait till it was, Lord. Here he is. He's got to partake of the nature of the enemy now. His body is going to become mortal. Satan would be master of him. Oh, but I bet that made some people shake. The tragedy of the garden was that Jesus was to suffer the agony of the lost. He was suffering the agony of the lost. He was to be accounted among the transgressors. He was to bear the diseases and the sin of the human race. He was to be forsaken by his father. No wonder sweat. He bled. He was he, he, he? Yeah, he sweated blood. No wonder. It was no wonder he cried, "Father, if there's any other way." But there was none. There was no other way. He and he alone had to pay the penalty for humanity. Or humanity would be eternally lost. And God through eternity would be childless. And he didn't want to be childless. Amen? Amen. Let's look at Luke 22. 43. Let's look at what happened. Luke 22 and verse 43. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven to do what? To strengthen him. Angels came and ministered to him. But guess what? 
Did you see an angel? Did you hear tell of an angel that ministered to him on the cross? No. No. One translation says, if it would be possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, but thine be carried through to completion. Jesus said, let your will be carried through to completion. It was, this, was, this was not a weak submission to the inevitable. He was ready. He, he got, he, I'm ready. He was the heroic son of God facing humanity's greatest need and crying to be uh, uh, the father and carrying out, I'm sorry, uh, carrying out the father's will through completion to save the human race. My God. And that's why Paul said, is it? Paul said, remember what Paul said? He loved me and he gave himself for me. He loved me and he gave himself for me. The spiritual agony that he faced, the anticipation of being united with spiritual death was so hideous and so unthinkable. It's just impossible. And that's when I, that was the reaction. That was the reaction. That, that, that I got from that gentleman that I was talking to. It's just impossible. There's, there's no way this can happen. There's no way. He just couldn't comprehend it. It didn't make sense to him. It was so unthinkable that if the angels had not ministered, we don't know what would have happened. It's unthinkable. The natural mind can't comprehend it. Jesus came from the garden and faced his, his sleeping disciples. He came as master. He won the fight in the garden. He won the fight. He didn't come up weeping and moaning and complaining. He came out of that garden as a conqueror. Amen. As a conqueror. My, 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 my. There are two places in Christ's career that challenge the heart. Let's look at them. The first was when he met Judas and the soldiers in the garden. He stands there as the perfect hero, the master's conqueror. He won the first battle. Now he's ready for trial, ready to be scourged, and, and ready for the cross. He's ready for it. And the second time, when he left the tomb, and he met the disciples at all hell, at this point, he had conquered. He put away sin. Now he stands as Lord of Lords, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The shame of, the shame of agony of hell is now over. He is now <coughs> Lord, and he's now Master, and he's now our King. The battle in the garden, in a spiritual sense, natural mind can't grasp it. Hallelujah. He had redeemed man. He had redeemed man. He completed the work of God. All through his what? Obedience. Thank you, Jesus. Once he went into the garden, and three times he sought the Father for his will, and when he got the will of the Father, what did he do? He went on as a master. He went on as a king. He went on as as though he had already conquered everything. I mean, he, he conquered right there. My question to you is this, is believe 
and your garden. When you get to know the will of the Father, how do you respond? When you know it is a... Listen, Jesus was facing something so horrible, the fact that he'd be separated from his Father. We saw what he suffered. But now he tells you and I that everything is finished. And, and we talked about how we've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And what does that mean? We go and we seek out the Father's will as sons and daughters of God, as children of God. We, we seek out his will. What is his will? His will is that I walk and live in my righteousness. He tells me step by step how to live and to walk in his righteousness. Should I walk as defeated? As weak? No. I, if his will is that I would live and walk in his victory, I should live and walk as a king the same way my Savior did when he accepted the Father's will. Do you accept the Father's will that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Do you accept the Father's will that Jesus Christ is your king and he is your Lord? He wants to be Lord of your life. Do you accept the fact that he honored the Father's will? And, and Paul says, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I'm crucified. I've set myself apart. And now I let him live on the inside of me. That is the will of the Father. When will you line up like Jesus did with the will of the Father? And because Jesus lined up with the will of the Father, we became like him. We have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Jesus was in the kingdom of the Father before. He became subject to the will of the Father. We need to become subject to the will of the Father. The problem is somebody's going to look at sin and they're going to say, sin, I'm not talking about sin. You see, in what Jesus did, he already defeated sin. He wants us to live in the new life. Sin has been defeated already. If you're walking according to sin, it's because you don't discern the Lord's body, what he has done for you. Peter says that if, if, if he says, if you sin, you're drawn away of your own lust. That needs to be dealt with. Sin has no more power over you. The power of sin has been broken. And as long as we spend time talking about sin, we're not going to spend time talking about our victorious Savior. says it is the will of the Father that you would experience the life that you have in Christ Jesus. He says we have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. It is the will of the Father that you would live this life or experience this life that we have been translated into. Hallelujah! And Jesus suffered all of that. He suffered all of that so we could live. And guess what? God is not asking you to sacrifice anything. 
of in your praise to give him your life. Two places I can remember in particular. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, I urge you by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice. What does that mean? So that Jesus can live in you. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or your reasonable act of worship. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may experience that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. <coughs> that you may experience that good. Jesus made himself a sacrifice, by, and, and he became obedient to death. He's asking you to become obedient to life. That you may experience that good, that perfect, and that acceptable will of God for you. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. What a life we have in Christ Jesus. Yes, yes. What a life we have. You, and he's saying, I've given it to you. It's yours now, right now. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Mm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. If there's someone listening today by Facebook, or I know everybody in here, if you haven't, you need to. I'm sure you have. But uh, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're listening to this today, you're listening for a reason. He has you specifically. This is your appointed time to receive this life that, that Jesus Christ has given us. I don't care about all this other nonsense people are saying. Life is in, there's just one. The scripture tells us, uh, Acts 4.12 tells us, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only way to the Father's heart. Jesus is the only way that you can, that you can get exactly what you've been trying to get from the day you was born back to your creator. Jesus Christ himself. And he told us, these are promises. He says, for God so loved the world, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, John 3, 16. He says, his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, this is the life that I've been talking about. Today when I'm talking about being translated to the kingdom of his dear son. Everlasting life. Everlasting life, a new life in Christ Jesus, where everything will be turned completely around. That the things that you, your past that you've experienced, that that will, that, that, that there's no more past. You have no more past. And and don't wait to say, well, I'm not ready yet because I'm still doing so and so. You can't stop it. You can't change it anyway. So why don't you let him do it for you? Why don't you let him work in you? Why don't you make room for him by saying, yes, Lord, I'm weak. I need a savior. I can't do this on my own. I don't have the strength. I need you to come into my life and do for me what I can't do for myself. I accept you, Jesus Christ. I accept the fact that you lived for me, that you died for me, that you shed your blood for me, that you paid for my wrongdoing, that you paid for the sin that was against me even before I came into this world, that you paid for it, that you eradicated that has been wiped out. And now, I can experience your life. I receive the life that you give me. And I thank you for the shed blood that washed away my sin. I accept you, Jesus, today as my Lord, my Savior. 
Father, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life, Jesus. Yes, yes. Live in me. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 If that's your prayer for today, in Jesus' name, if that's your prayer for today, we welcome you into the family of God. You've come home. You've come home. You're going back to your creator. You've come home. Now you stand before him as a son or as a daughter. You have been made righteous, not with your righteousness, but with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we welcome you home. We welcome you home. Hallelujah. Believers, it is the will of God that you seek. You'll find it in his word, through the teaching of his word. If the word comes and, it, and, and things are talking about all these other things and Jesus is not mentioned, then there's no power in it. Everything that you got, the victory that you got, the health that you got, the finances you got, everything that you got, all of the blessing comes through Jesus Christ. Be it known this day that your life, believers, every believer, you need to know that your life has one purpose. People want to get it. God gives you purpose. purpose. There's one purpose that your life should have, and that is to bring glory to God. Whether you're an actor, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a trash collector, your life should always bring glory to God. That's why you were created. You should always bring glory to the Father through the Son. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.